Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to the 589th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective. Our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments get your daily reading from me and other writers at Red Bull News Network, as well as Beyond the 90 at Substack.com. And as always, this show is based on the American game. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. So some late news last night that came out of nowhere after my Gold Cup preliminary preview show ended. And apparently that helps out one of those teams that was going to be fighting for a spot in the Gold Cup proper tournament, and that is the situation of Nicaragua being eliminated, kicked out of the Gold Cup by the CONCACAF Disciplinary Committee. So apparently, Nicaragua used an individual player not on their roster for the CONCACAF Nations League group stage, and winning their group to put them in the group stage draw, and because of that ineligible player that was found to be a part of Nicaragua's Nations League roster and played in all eight Nations League group stage games, Nicaragua has been kicked out of the Gold Cup. So basically, Trinidad Tobago was one of the next highest ranked teams in CONCACAF, they took over Nicaragua's spot in Group A with Jamaica and with the United States and the winner of the preliminary match number nine winner. And that repercussions also meant Nicaragua has been taken away from their promotion of League A in the next edition of the Nations League, and Trinidad and Tobago will be taking over that spot. Once again, here is the full uh, description, uh, the results of the details from the CONCACAF Disciplinary Committee on this situation. The Nicaraguan men's national team will be replaced in the group phase of the Gold Cup 2023, Group A, by the Trinidad and Tobago men's national team by being the best second place of the League B groups in the CONCACAF Nations League 22-23. The place in the preliminary round of the Gold Cup previously occupied by the Trinidad and Tobago men's national team will go to the Antigua and Barbuda men's national team by being the best third place not qualified for the preliminary round of the Gold Cup 2023 of the groups of League B in the Nations League of 2022-23. Based on the official draw for the Gold Cup preliminary round and group stage, 
which took place on April 14, 2023. The winner of Preliminary 1 will advance to Preliminary 7, and the winner of Preliminary 7 will be ranked Group D4. That remains unchanged. In the CONCACAF Nations League for 23-24, the Nicaraguan men's national team will be replaced in League A of the Nations League coming September by the men's national team of Trinidad and Tobago by being the best second place in the League B groups of the recent 22-23 tournament edition. The Nicaraguan national team will be located in position B1 of Group B of League B, which is the position left vacant by the Trinidad and Tobago national team, given its classification to League A. So, wow. That is a big-time disappointment, ladies and gentlemen, coming from Nicaragua and their men's national team. The head coach and the coaching staff of Nicaragua knew what they were doing. They selected a player not on their roster. He played all eight matches in official competition. And that is the penalty you're going to receive when you pull off something like that. It is a shame. It is a, it is a big shame because when you look at a, a nation like Nicaragua, who has been through so much and, you know, they have tried to get back to the upper echelons of this confederation, especially through Central America, the shame of it all is that this is what happens when you are trying to gain an advantage some way, somehow, and now you are being punished for the mess that you have just made. You are being punished for the illegal means of how you participated in the Nations League and Honestly, they're lucky that they weren't relegated to League C for next year. Because I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, this will not go well. And just when you thought your countryman is going to be making travel plans to the first group stage match in late June... On the tw- well, now you can tell them, I'm sorry, folks, we're, you're about to have to ask for some refunds because we're not going. Whatever tickets were sold will now be sent back the money. And that is those Nicaraguans from the mother country or those who have immigrated to the United States. It is a shame. A damn shame that this had to happen. And I understand what everyone's saying. CONCACAF strikes again. Nicaragua got CONCACAF. Well, look. The way that CONCACAF is being run now, I think it's much more improved than when it was being run by Jack Warner and Jeffrey Webb. Because those two men have truly 
proven they are the ones that were cockatassing everybody. It, 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 this is all you can say. And in this region, what are we trying to do here? Very simple. In this region, we are trying to be more common sense. We want healthy competition. We are trying to improve ourselves in this confederation. We are not UEFA. We are not Comibol, and I understand that. But, but the way that they run their confederations is at the same level of where we want CONCACAF to be at themselves. Without a doubt, Victor Montagliani has brought common sense to this confederation and has created better competition, more competition, not just for our clubs, but for our national teams to battle, then to give those teams just the couple of World Cup qualification games and you pray to God they can make a run. Because now they're getting more competition than they've ever had been. We all know who are the big teams in this confederation. Without a doubt now, officially, all three countries in the North Zone, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Yo-Yos, but they are still one of the big boys in my opinion. Honduras is, uh, used to be one of the big boys. Guatemala went through their spell. Panama has improved. Curaçao has improved. Trinidad and Tobago, still a question mark. But the truth is, we have to give credit to where credit is due. And that is what Victor Montagliani has done since taking over the presidency of this confederation since Jeffrey Webb was a part of the raid at the Baralock Hotel in Zurich, Switzerland, during the FIFA raid by the Swiss and the FBI of the United States. This, my friends, is just extraordinary. This, my friends, is why I feel much better that this confederation on the governance level has been improved and now has the right man to do the right job. Until Victor Montagliani uh, Montagliani steps down as president of CONCACAF, then I would be worried until somebody else comes in and takes over. But for now... I am not worried. I am not scared. I am not concerned with how this confederation is being run. We are improving. We are making sense. We are getting better. If you still don't trust the officials, I understand that. But once again, these referees are from each individual members of the CONCACAF charter. The FAs of each federation in CONCACAF manage these referees. All CONCACAF can do is schedule them 
and evaluate them to be a part of Champions League, now the Champions Cup, the new Caribbean Cup tournament, the new Central American Cup tournament, the Caribbean Shield, and now the Gold Cup Olympic qualification, under-20 tournaments, under-17 tournaments, and now, of course, women's tournaments in the Confederation. Because as of right now, this Confederation is getting better. But just like I talk about the American game, there still is room for improvement. I think Montagliani would even tell you we still need to find some ways to improve our product. And until that happens, we'll see what happens. But I believe we are on the right track. I truly believe we're on the right track. We have to get to the point where we got to feel comfortable with what is going on. And very soon, ladies and gentlemen, World Cup qualifying will begin. It will begin very shortly. And we will find out who will be placed in the necessary pots to start the field of qualification for the 2026 World Cup. That will happen in the November rankings of FIFA. And we will find out through the rankings of FIFA, why and when and how. Three other teams will automatically go to the World Cup with the U.S., with Canada, and Mexico. And what extra two sides will be qualifying for the international playoff? It's 2023. We're in the month of June. We're finishing up the Nations League tournament. We're going to start the CONCACAF Gold Cup. And then we're going to start another Nations League tournament in September. And then we're going to find out how our nations in this confederation will be fighting for those necessary spots for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Well, ladies and gentlemen, i got a great show for you tonight. We're going to preview the CONCACAF Nations League semis and final. And joining me first is my good friend from Canada. He runs the 24th Minute blog, part of the Soccer Today show with Kevin Laramie of the Sports Podcasting Network. I haven't had him on for a while. It's great to have him back on. The one and only Dwayne Rollins joins me to talk about the Canadian national team and previewing them in the Nations League. Dwayne, welcome back. It's great to have you on again, my friend. And how are you, sir? Um, I'm pretty well, pretty good. Uh, just a quick correction. Soccer today, unfortunately, is no longer, but uh, I have been doing a new show. Oh, no. With, uh, yeah, well, Kevin had a baby. Well, he didn't have a baby. Well, his, his partner did, but uh, you know what I mean. But, uh, you know, I've been doing a new show with uh, James Grossi, uh, who writes for uh, TorontoFC.ca. Uh, we're, we're doing a show on, on prospects and Canadian development and, and all that sort of good stuff. It's called uh, The Next Pod. Next pod soccer podcast, combining all your all your best podcasters. But we still got the twenty fourth minute, and uh, Kevin's still doing some independent work. Works for TBR. Uh, still, still lots of soccer going on, and, and uh, we're we're kicking around and something in the works for MLS. Uh, and, and 
and more day-to-day soccer stuff in, in the future. But right now we're focusing on the, on the development side of the game for a little while. And I'm not sure with James. And James is uh, one of the most knowledgeable people I, I know on, on, on sort of that side of the game. Wow. Well, listen, well, obviously I know Kevin and his wife, uh, excuse me, his partner had the baby. I knew that. I did not know that Soccer Today is no more. Uh, that was a great show that you and, uh, and uh, Kevin did. And uh, listen, uh, it's a shame it's not around anymore, but you know what? Look, good for him with the family and everything, and I'm glad he's with TVA up in Montreal. So that's always a positive. But let's get to Canada. You know, Dwayne, Canada um, has grown up very quickly under Herdman. He has done an amazing job. I know the the World Cup was not probably what everyone was thinking of, but you know what? you got to start somewhere. And Canada, to me, looks like they're finally uh, got the foot on the gas pedal and they're ready to roll. Well, yeah, as it relates to this particular tournament, uh, they absolutely are all in. And, and in fact, they've already said that they're going to take a step back and, and sort of look at some younger players, so some new new cycle players at the Gold Cup this summer. Uh, that that makes sense. I mean, they're, they're two wins away from, from hosting a trophy. Uh, one win a win from playing in a final that wins against Panama, which is a winnable game. I think that's fair to say with all due respect to the Panamanians. They've beat them a couple times already in, in recent memory. Um, with the full full strength lineup there, they, they certainly uh, will be looking to do that. And it's an extra motivation today. We all saw it coming. We all assumed it was coming, but Atiba Hutchinson announces that this will be his final two games of his career today to, to, to TSN. They broke that earlier today. Uh, so that's um, some news and some motivation. They want to send a team up and, you know, team off to stand in the confetti. Of course, you know, Mexico and the U.S. And, and Panama will have something to say about that. But but you're right. Uh, this is a team that is young and, and got that experience at the World Cup. Um, I was not as happy with it as some Canadians who were content with just being there. I, I thought that they could have done a little bit more with what they had. But, but nonetheless, uh, you know, you can't fault how they played in Qatar. Uh, you can fault that they were maybe a bit naive and couldn't get those results. And, and that's what it's for, to get that experience. And, and, but now it's time to win. Now it's time to, to get results. And, and there's no, no more free passes. I think it's fair to say with the talent that John Herdman has at his disposal right now. And if you don't mind, Dwayne, uh, just tell us, what did Atiba Hutchinson mean to Canadian soccer as a whole? Uh, why he's such a celebrated player? He bridges the generation of fans, really, I think is one way to put it from a fan perspective, that, that he predates a lot of the um, folks that, that discovered this team in that great run to qualify and to win qualifying in CONCACAF, and, and even predates you know, TFC getting good and, and sort of Canadian soccer on, on a more grassroots level, the camp PL starting all that. Um, he predates that. So if you're a little bit younger, you might not remember the early part of his career, but you certainly knew the, his importance uh, to the team and got to see him play a big role in qualifying. And then the older folks that, you know, that I'm getting, there's a lot of gray in this beard now that I, I'm part of remember him very fondly for, for his early career. And just being that, consummate pro that, that did what he had to do to sort of advance the Canadian neighbor, you know, planting that flag to get the Canadians out there and playing in, in leagues that they, that maybe he was good enough to play in, but that he had to sort of prove himself at that sort of middling level. I think if you look back, the best comparison to Canada really for your longtime American listeners and the Tiba Hutchinson kind of fits into this is to think about Canada now, like where the U S was in the late nineties. 
in the sense that they're just sort of emerging onto the scene and they needed those guys from that older generation to step up and, and play that role and to, to be sort of the folks that, that forge the path that others will follow to higher levels in the future. And Atiba Hutchinson, you know, was that guy for a long time. And, you know, he's a legend in Turkey. He's, he's retired from the status now. Uh, who knows what his next stage is of his career, but, you know, for him to still be around and still playing, and you know, my, my God, he almost scored the World Cup. He was inches away at the crossbar against Morocco in a game that didn't mean anything but pride for Canada, but certainly could have screwed up Morocco's trip had he scored that goal and he came out so close and would have been a great way to go out there. But but nonetheless, I think that the secondary prize that he now has in his sights, uh, two wins away, is it, it would be a nice thing to go. And, and you know, I well remind American listeners that, of course, in 2008, he was very much on side uh, in that goal that the, the U.S. Uh, benefited from the incorrect call there. So so they want to get some revenge. It would be, be fitting if he would to score a goal in his final game against the Americans to win the, the Nations League, with all due respect for my American friends. No, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, it's going to be... Very interesting what's going to happen on Thursday night, of course. Uh, will your will those matches be on One Soccer? Will they be on uh, TSN? Where will, where will Canadians find uh, that match? Because I know it will be on Paramount Plus app and CBS Sports Network uh, here in the States. Well, One, one Soccer is where to watch it up here. So, yeah, you will be able to watch it. Um, there are a few, there's quite a bit of Canadians that have made the trip down to Vegas. It's obviously a popular destination for anyone anyway, but uh, I know there'll be a good, good voice in the stands and uh, an opportunity for a lot of the uh, uh, folks to view it up here. I unfortunately couldn't make the trip down. Uh, you know, you have to spend your money in wise ways and that, that wasn't in the cards, but, uh, but I do know a lot of people that are down there and, and looking to have some fun and, and see Canada win a trophy for the first time in 23 years, which would be something to, something to behold. Is our old buddy Ben Knight down in Vegas? I don't know if Ben Knight's down. I doubt it. Ben, ben is sort of semi-retired from that beat. He's a, He lives in a small little town just uh, north of Toronto, and he plays his guitar uh, sort of semi-professionally. Yeah, that, that's what Ben does now. So uh, so let's, let's hope he, he's enjoying uh, enjoying his time and, and out there. He was he had been sick for a while, but he's better. So your long-time listeners would be like, nice to know that. But, yeah, like I said, he's a – He's a musician, and he, he enjoys his life up in a little town just north of the Toronto called Peterborough. So, so we wish Ben well. Mm. Absolutely. Obviously, Maxime Crepeau uh, still out uh, recovering from the broken leg he received in the MLS Cup final against the Philadelphia Union. Um, let's take a look at the roster now. you got Mion Borion, Tom McGill, Dane St. Clair. What? Where does Tom McGill play, and is he a Canadian Premier League keeper, or is he playing uh, abroad? He's at Brighton. Uh, he's a, a dual national that they that they found that's in Brighton, and, and he uh, was uh, sort of brought to the fold just before the World Cup uh, has been cap tied now, uh, and has played that role for third keeper. Uh, we, you know, with the injury, um, obviously Crapo's injury was just how terrible for him at the timing and. And for him to still be out, we all worry about his long-term career. But the keeping situation is, is pretty solid right now, I would have to say. Borean still got a little bit to give. He had a bit of a wild wolf cup, of course. But, uh, you know, Dane St. Clair, uh, we hope that – a lot of people are hoping that Dane St. Clair gets a good look maybe at the Gold Cup. Um, I think this competition, though, will be all about trying to put the, the A-team forward, though. So I don't expect any minutes for anyone other than Borean in this tournament. 
No, I agree with you there. I think he's going to be the one to go out there to uh, attempt to claim the trophy. Uh, your defenders right now, you have Samuel Adekubo, uh, Derek Cornelius, Alistair Johnson, Scott Kennedy, Richie Larea, Kamal Miller, St- Stephen Vittoria, and Dominic Zator. Um, to me, this looks like a very strong defensive core for Canada. Obviously, MLS heavy roster on the defensive side here. Um, I mean, Alistair Johnson, we've seen him before with Nashville and other MLS clubs before being in Montreal. And uh, I just feel like uh, Herdman's done a pretty good job getting these defenders. What say you? Yeah, look, the biggest surprise of qualifying was the emergence of that back line. Um, guys like uh, like Johnston coming forward and stepping up and proving that they could play at that level, and he's of course gone on to to win a treble for for Celtic, and not quite the treble that that we saw with Manchester City. Sorry, I had to get that one in there, but uh, nonetheless, he had some success in in Scotland. Sort of got himself a well known. I'm um, a City fan, if people don't know. Uh, yeah, look, they're strong at the back, and this is a a team that really relied on that in qualifying and allowed their attack to sort of push forward with the belief and the trust in that back line. And, and, and they did, you know, fairly well, I would say containing, uh, or, you know, not so much Croatia, but they contained uh, Belgium in that world cup and, and Morocco for a large parts of that game as well. There was a keeping error and that otherwise you're looking at a draw game. So they, they've proven themselves against some tough competition and, and they know Panama and that first game is the only one we look at first, of course, they know that they can beat Panama, and there's every bit of confidence that, that the lineup that you'll see out there can get that done. Um, again, like it's going to be a broken record here. I expect the same lineup that you would see if this is a World Cup game. They are truly treating this as an opportunity to win a trophy. Uh, they think that's important for the development of the program. John Herdman is on record of saying so, and and that's what's going to happen. You're going to see the same guys you saw out there in qualifying uh, whenever possible. And you got your midfielders in uh, Stephen Estacchio, Atiba Hutchinson, as we've already said, Ishmael Kone, Victor Latura, Latura, excuse me, Jonathan Osorio, David Witherspoon. Um, I, I think Estacchio is the guy that's going to make, and not and not just him, but Osorio as well. Uh, to me, those are the two guys that is definitely going to make Canada work well in the attack when they move forward. Yeah, and Osorio got 90 minutes in on the weekend for TFC. That that was a bit of a surprise. He'd been out for for several weeks with a with an injury, so it was good to see him get the get started and to go the the distance in the in the game against Nashville on the weekend. Um, he is a real key player, as you mentioned. Connie is the guy that really interests me to see where his development is at after, you know, some some good time at Watford. He, he's he sort of impressed there and is looking for maybe a move bigger in the future. Uh, if you can get some, some dynamic play in the middle along with that wing play that they have, then this is a truly dangerous attack that, you know, can have conversations not just in CONCACAF but beyond it, and he'll certainly play a role there as well. A little bit, uh, you know, not as much depth as I'd like, but certainly the top-end talent is is still there, and, and they're still dynamic, and they can still create, and Estacchio, you mentioned him off the top. I'm not really talking about him because I think we all know what Estacchio can do at this point. He's no longer a mystery in this region. Uh, he was among the best midfielders in qualifying, I think it's fair to say. I don't think anyone can argue with me in that. And he is outside of Alfonso Davies. And maybe even some hipsters might argue that even more than Alfonso Davies might be Canada's most important player uh, because he pulls the strings. And, and you know, Davies gets man marked out of a lot of situations too and if you can have a stachio sort of 
back there set in doing things to to not allow that kind of attention on Davies, you can really sort of unleash a lot of attack there, right? Like you, if you have less attention on the on the big guy, the guy that's obvious, because you have another guy there that can do the good work, then then it gives you more chance for that obvious guy to get some get some scoring, get some opportunities as well. So yeah, attacking is very very important. And finally, you got uh, Tejon Buchanan, Lucas Cavallini, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Junior Hoylette, Kyle Lauren. Um, some a little bit older than others, but still, though, uh, dangerous attackers for Canada with the ball at their feet or at least getting into position when the ball is delivered towards them. Uh, really tough for Herdman to pencil in who he wants to be up top there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the best attack in CONCACAF, and that's not even controversial to say. They, they, there's an embarrassment of riches there. And, and, and as you say, you can't get them all in the field. That's the biggest problem Herman really has with that. Um, they can score. They can score lots of goals. They did in qualifying. They're dangerous. That helps the back line a bit too because of their danger. They, you can't you know, overpress them. You can't um, you know, give them too much space or they're going to kill you. If you look back to the last time Canada played Panama, in fact, it was – the Panamanians pushing a little too much forward allowed Delfonso Davies to score one of the goals of qualifying, which was just based on his pure speed and dynamicism. So, look, it, it, it's a great team attacking-wise. Um, you know, some, if you want to quibble, might say that, you know, Davies is a bit distracted by his current situation with Bayern Munich where he's looking for a new contract, Real Madrid's in the talks. So, I mean, if that's your problem, if your problem is whether your best player is going to play for Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, you don't really have much problem up there, right? Like that's a, that's a good problem to have. Uh, it's just a good team up top. It's a good attacking team. It's, it's it deserves to be in the Nations League finals. I think that goes without saying, and is the clear favorite to beat Panama. Um, I think it's going to be a tough second game, regardless of who it is. Uh, you know, obviously, I think the Americans will be favored in that other one, but if, if not, certainly Mexico would play a, a, a pretty significant opponent as well. But it's a trophy, and it's an opportunity. And, and to go into sports cliches here, of the four teams at this event, I, I can't imagine another one of those three needing this as much as Canada does. It, it, I think it is more important to Canada from a cycle development, from a moving forward, from a building to 26 perspective. I mean, the U.S. has established itself as the consistent top team in this region now. Sorry, Mexico, but they are. Mexico is Mexico. The Panamanians are a little bit of a step behind. I think they're probably happy to be at this tournament. Canada's got to win something to prove that they belong at the top level of the sport. Otherwise, you know, we really are just there to make up the numbers. And it was nice to be in Qatar, but I don't really want to make up the numbers forever. And certainly with those games coming at home in, in three years' time, which is not very long now, right? Three years' time. Um, they want to they want to start and launch themselves into winning something. And then hopefully they can build on that, qualify for Copa next year, and do something there too. Final question for me. Do you think at this point in time, this is the most important trophy for Canada to earn since winning the 2000 Gold Cup? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to build on something, right? I mentioned my, my yep. Manchester City off the top here, just real quickly. Not to bring them up no, into everything, but if you think way back when the money came in, they, had, they put all their efforts into winning the League Cup. The League Cup doesn't mean much. Um, whatever it was sponsored at the time. But it meant something to that club because they didn't want anything before. And that's what Canada is right now. Can't believe I'm comparing Canada to Manchester City, but nonetheless, that's where they're kind of at. They got to win something, and the league, the Nations League, is not in the grand scheme of world football. The Concacaf Nations League's not that big of a deal, but it's trophy, it's confetti, it's a little bit of pressure. It's going to draw attention. It's important that they get this done. 
These are the most important two games they played. But this is the thing. Canada's playing a lot of important games these days. They've, they played the World Cup. They're playing this. They're going to roll right into a Gold Cup, which is going to have, have an important role, too, in terms of looking at new bodies. And then before you know it, you're trying to qualify to go to Copa America, which is also vital to the development of 2026. Absolutely. Dwayne, listen, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for talking about Canadian soccer here, as always. And I will talk to you again soon. Have a good night. Cheers. Cheers. Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog. And now with uh, James Grossi of the covering Canadian soccer as a whole. And uh, just absolutely fun time to uh, be on with uh, for Canada and it's just uh, great to see there now joining me to talk about the US side of things to preview this CONCACAF Nations League of course they are the defending CONCACAF Nations League champions of the United States US soccer Robert Hay also from World Soccer Talk uh, joining me and Robert also has a Substack website that I just saw and I believe I uh, joined it, Robert. Uh, please inform us what is the name of your Substack blog. Oh, geez. Well, well thank you, Daniel, for having me uh, on. Uh, as always, I'm looking forward to talking about the U.S. national team tonight. Yeah, I do have a Substack. It is um, not as rigorously updated as uh, the site that you write for and Cardiac writes for and everything, but it's inside the technical area and it's a focus on. Um, really the managerial side of the game, uh, talking musings about managers and, and leadership in the modern game of soccer. It's, it's, as I stated at the beginning when I first created it, the prelude to a manuscript that I'm working on. But, you know, it's a good place to go and just talk about different managerial and leadership topics that um, hopefully you won't see a discussion of elsewhere. So um, anyway, it's even to the point where I think my last post was about the um, Tottenham managerial um, search, which if you know anything about me, you know I'm a huge Arsenal fan, so that, that's a must <laughs> read just to see how I, how I yes. take the, the other side looking. Yes, we know, Arsenal boy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as we get ready to talk about the Nations League getting underway this Thursday night with a, uh, strangely enough, a semifinal against Mexico, which you never thought you would say that, that the United States and Mexico are going to face each other in a semifinal match in a CONCACAF tournament. It's basically, you know, blasphemy. How dare we even say the word semifinal when it comes to uh, El Clasico when these two sides meet each other in a big CONCACAF event? Yeah, you know, it does make for an interesting, uh, a different dynamic. But as, you know, we just heard for the past half hour, really um, Canada has established itself as, if not the current best side that maybe the definitely top two, top three side in CONCACAF. So, I mean, you basically have a, at the moment, three teams that are at the top tier with, um, uh, you know, others in the bottom, you know, in the next tier. So, you know, the USA Mexico is still the, you know, the history and the passion and everything else, but with Canada being so ascendant and having so much talent on its national team, I don't think you can fault, um, you know, it's not unheard of that the USA-Mexico is a semifinal simply because whichever team advances to the final, assuming Canada beats Panama, which I think it will, I mean, that in and of itself is going to be a great match to watch. And so, 
Um, while it does seem a little bit odd that this is a semifinal match, I do think it benefits the tournament that this match is being held here to drive interest leading into the final. So from a marketing perspective, I don't think they're hurting too much seeing this one a few days earlier. Mm, very, very true, and we'll see what happens uh, with this whole Nations League situation uh, with the U.S. But uh, as you know, as well as I do, Anthony Hudson, no longer the interim manager uh, for the U.S. men's national team. He has now left for a Saudi Arabian club to take over their head coaching department. So U.S. soccer decides to give the interim position to B.J. Callahan, apparently uh, was a part of Jim Curtin's staff with the Philadelphia Union before going to U.S. soccer. How confident are you feeling right now with B.J. Callahan? Because, look, this is not a friendly. Uh, this is not to see if this guy can, you know, maybe have a future as a head coach of the national team. This is guy at the moment stepping in who we have no idea what he's about. We have no clue how he's been a head coach. He's never been a head coach. And even though he's gotten the blessing of Jim Curtin, who he trusts in him, the truth is if you are on the outside like we are, how can you trust this guy and how can you trust U.S. soccer giving this guy a big, big task? Because it's not a friendly. Mm -hmm. This is an actual real competition that CONCACAF has sanctioned along with FIFA. Yeah, I mean, many, many thoughts on this. Uh, subject. And so I'll start with the, you know, starting from the, the you know, lo- macro level and then move up. Um, how confident am I in his, you know, ability? Um, I would feel a lot more worried if we did not have probably our, um, most of our, what we consider our A team in here for this uh, match. I mean, we're going to see uh, the, the names that we expect to see in a big match. Um, and as well as, you know, one exciting face that I think we're going to talk about uh, here in a few moments. But I think the fact that there is a, a veteran presence, players that have been in this competition, have been in the U.S. setup for a while here, does take a little bit of the concern out of it. That final, this is not a friendly, and you have a a coach that, um, you know, it, it, this is his first head coaching position you know he's got a lot of experience but you really don't want to be your first time to be in a match which is you know against a rival not just you know a friendly rival a a match that has a history of being ugly and and very passionate so you know I think if we didn't have the veteran um, quote-unquote veteran players that we have coming in for this match I would be a lot more concerned and we can talk about you know another time the gold cup what that's going to look like that scares me a lot but, you know, looking at the, the larger picture, because um, that's where you were kind of leading with your question, um, you know, U.S. soccer, as we've talked about, has really dropped the ball on this. I mean, right now they, they went out, you know, they announced in April that they hired Matt Crocker to come in as a sporting director. Um, I don't believe his timeline has moved up, but um, I believe he's starting in August, so he's not even full-time with the, the uh, federation at this point. Um, and this would have been all fine and good if we would have hired a sporting director who was then in charge of hiring that coach um, year plus ago. But we're still on a very delayed time schedule. And so we have for this match a head coach, a manager that, unless something crazy happens, is, has no chance of being 
not only the manager for this team in 2026, but I'm not even sure he's going to be on the staff in 2026. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but certainly I don't think he's a candidate for a head coach. So um, we're seeing today that, um, you know, a number of the names that we think could be um, candidates are now going to other teams in Europe and so forth. So really U.S. soccer, again, is dropping the ball on this, not because um, – they're not doing the process correctly because I think it is a smart idea to hire at the higher levels before moving on to the manager position, but they're doing it in such a slow manner and have, don't have it in place so that we're wasting um, a tournament, which um, again, you're facing a really good side, you know, a good side in Mexico. I mean, they're going through their own um, growing pains and transitions, uh, but potentially, uh, you know, another world cup side in Canada. Um, This is a tournament that would look really good to compete in and win with the U.S. not having as many quali- – we're not having a qualifying opportunity for the World Cup. And so to do it with, again, a second manager that is not going to be your permanent manager really looks bad for the U.S. So long-term, this is a – you know, this is very bad. Gold Cup is, could be a disaster. Short-term, I think the veteran presence on this team could overcome um, some of the tactical decisions that are going to be made uh, by an inexperienced coach. Um, but I do think the U.S. has a disadvantage on the bench and, and the technical area, and hopefully that will not um, lead to a defeat against Mexico here. That's the hope there as well. Let's go ahead and take a look at the roster. The goalkeepers are Matt Turner, uh, Drake Callender from Inter-Miami, of course, Matt Turner with Arsenal now, and uh, Toronto FC's Sean Johnson. Uh, without a doubt, Matt Turner is going to be the starting goalkeeper. I mean, I think he's had a fabulous year uh, being with Arsenal. I, I know most of the year he's been on the bench, but um, for him to get Europa League matches says a lot about what Arsenal thinks that they have a future goalkeeper that can possibly take over for Ramsdale in the future. And, I mean, we can't forget that Ramsdale is probably – I know he's not officially the number one England keeper, but he he's making a serious case for challenging for that position. So it's not like he's, you know, backing up some guy who's, you know, just there because he's got a bloated contract. I mean, there's a, there's a definite competition there, and I think Matt Turner has established himself in the World Cup as the number one keeper for the U.S. Um, you know, I think it's good to have Drake Callender on this roster. Again, it's an opportunity for him to come in and spend time with um, – you know, uh, uh, Matt Turner, the number one, who's had his time in Europe and MLS. And then, of course, Sean Johnson is the uh, veteran presence, you know, the guy who's been around the camp and, and, and knows things. And um, if something were to happen to Matt Turner, could come in and you wouldn't feel quite as secure, but at least you know he's had time in, in that and for the U.S. national team and, and a number of different clubs and um, can do well in there. So, you know, I think you're, you're going to see Matt Turner in there. Um, what we want to see from him is to continue to build off the successful World Cup um, remember going into the, the last World Cup, there was a lot of questions about keeper. Matt Turner was a little bit of a surprise. Um, again, he established himself. So what about that next step? And this is the question we'll be asking about a lot of the players on this roster is, you know, he did well in, in a major tournament. Can he continue to do well and grow um, in the next tournament, knowing that, you know, while the lights of Vegas are bright, they're not quite as bright as a World Cup light. So can he continue to improve himself show maturity and, uh, you know, be a leader in the CONCACAF Nations League and grow as a player so that when we come to 2026, again, everything points to 2026, you know, he is number one by far established, um, confident in, the, in, in that there. 
Our, uh, for the U.S. soccer, the defenders are Serginio Dest, Walker Zimmerman, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, not related, and Joe Scally, and finally Austin Trusty. Um, I feel this back line is strong enough. It's good enough. Uh, they've been through everything together. Uh, the only issue is, you know, how will the tactics go for them or against them? Yeah, I agree with you. I think we're in, in pretty good shape on the back line. Um, you know, I expect to see both Robinson start and, of course, Walker Zimmerman, um, who I guess is, is one of the um, veteran presences now uh, on the back line as the leader on the back line. Um, Serginio Dest is, you know, in the middle of a move in Europe, so this is a nice opportunity for him to get um, some playing time with the national team before he goes to training camp. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a, a pretty good back line here. I am surprised the question did come up in the interview um, uh, pre-match uh, about uh, Brooks and whether why well he wasn't called into this team. And the answer was kind of odd. It was a very much a, you know, well, he's never had a you know an off-season to spend training with his team, and we think it's best that he trains with his club team, which, I mean, honestly, you could say that about any of these players. Uh, I've always been a big fan of his, and I feel like he gets a little bit um, – uh, forgotten about on the national team, but so I, I just pulled that out because when I was reading the you know roster um, interviews and the Q and A's with the coach, that stuck out to me. It's like why are we highlighting this player as the one needing training time with his club team? But regardless, even though he's not here, and I w- wish he would have been on this roster, I think you've got a pretty good back four here uh, and a, a little bit of depth, including players that you're going to get um, probably won't get playing, hopefully won't get playing time, but at least get. Experience with the national team, so a good mix for the U.S. roster in the on defense. Mm, very true. Midfielders are Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, uh, Luca Della Torre, Johnny Cardoso, uh, Alan Sonora, and uh, to me, even though I don't know if you've been watching training uh, through through their Twitter account, but I, I like what Della Torre's been doing at training. I think he had a great setup. Uh, for uh, a, a goal in training, I believe it was with uh, Alejandro Zendejas, uh, who will probably be who's going to be with the Gold Cup roster. Uh, so you probably have some Gold Cup players in this training session as well. But wow, I mean, uh, definitely a great a great link up right there. And we all know what McKenney's going to do. We all know what Musa's going to do. We know Reyna is going to be the, one of the most important dogs in this one. Whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's going to be one of those important players. We all know that. Yeah, and then of course, for you know, off the field reasons, you know, Gio Reyna, the the lights are always, the cameras are always going to be on him to see what he's doing. And so, um, I think he probably should start in this match, at least in terms of. Uh, talent and experience, but, and, and, you know, what he can bring to the side, but even if he doesn't, he's certainly going to have a role off the bench. Um, and so I, I look forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, if he can carry over what some of what he did with this club, um, which by the way, if, you know, the lasting memory of Borussia Dortmund just utterly, I don't know what the polite term is to use, but basically blowing their chance at a Bundesliga title, but he, you know, him coming off the bench and really giving a jolt to that team at the end was, um, very good to watch and very good for U.S. national team uh, fans. So uh, I expect to see good things out of him in this match and hopefully the the um, Weston McKinney. I mean, I think it's you know it's going to take a big injury to keep him off the pitch, uh, but I do think you know Luca De La Torre. I, I agree with you. Looks good and he's getting a lot of buzz um, from the media and from people who are watching this club. And so um, I don't know if he's 
going to start. I think Musa, you know, has earned his his opportunity to start here, uh, at least in terms of past experience. But I would definitely see if Kenny or Musa is having an off night or just not contributing as much, where there's a shakeup to the lineup. I definitely think De La Torre could be one of the first ones off the bench um, as kind of a, a game changer or a um, change of pace for the side. Very true. And the forwards are going to be Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, Alex Andejas, Fularen Balogun. We've been waiting for him to make his debut for the national team. Tim Weah and Taylor Booth. Um, I think Taylor Booth is just going to be basically a bench warmer because he's not going to, I don't, I don't expect him to get any minutes in these two games. Who knows if he goes to the gold cup, we'll see what happens there. But um, I, you're excited about it. I know I'm excited about it. Balogun, uh, now officially with the U.S. national team, who made the change uh, with a one-time switch through FIFA. Uh, abundance of riches with this forward group for this national team there, Robert. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I think that it'll be curious. And this may be where, you know, again, the, the um, having a first-time manager is going to get tricky because – how do you balance um, this kind of talent and, you know, who plays where and who gets on the pitch when and uh, makes the most impact. So, I mean, we can assume that Christian Pulisic is going to start. I mean, that's just Captain America, whether he likes to be called that or not. Um, and I think Timmy Way is, is definitely, an, you know, it's going to be on the pitch because of his uh, utter talent. So I think you can make a case for Ricardo Pepe to start as well over Balogun. Um, you could make that tactical case. You could make that case for um, um, familiarity with his teammates and the U.S. system. So you could make the case that he could start, but I would be surprised if we don't see Balogun um, on the pitch for the U.S. simply because everybody wants to see what he can do, and there's so much hype. And as we know with the U.S. Um, fan base in the U.S. system, um, we, we like to see the, the hyped players um, show up. And so I think we're going to see him start. Um, if he struggles early or is, you know, uh, mistiming his, his runs or passes with his teammates, um, do we go see uh, Pepe or do we see Brendan Aronson come on and do a um, some kind of tactical, shake, um, you know, shake-up? Um, I don't know. And I think that's where I'm curious to see is how – the tactical or the technical staff figures out who gets onto the pitch when, because, you know, Mexico is a, um, it's a very sturdy team. They play um, smart tactically um, and their manager is a smart tactical guy. So if he's able to frustrate the U S early on, can we adjust and, and put our, Well, we'll see what happens there, Robert, because I'll tell you right now, um, it's not so much I'm worried about the players. It's more the coaching. It's more the technical issues uh, by the by the head coach, because once again, when Anthony Hudson stepped down and U.S. soccer brought in B.J. Callahan to take over for Anthony Hudson's interim position, to me, they were no longer the clear-cut favorites in both the Nations League and the Gold Cup, and that's very concerning. We all know it's the World Cup. We understand that. But once again, as you said, they're slow rolling this U.S. soccer, and it's really, unfortunately, 
They, they just cannot get out of their own way, and that's the problem we're having right now. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, if we look at this, like I, I said, you know, the U.S. doesn't have a World Cup qualifier, so they don't have opportunities like every other country does to really, like, put their roster to the fire and see who stands out and who can really help qualify. So you lose that opportunity, and you can't understate that. So while a CONCACAF Nations League, while it's not – I mean, let's be blunt. It's a nice tournament. It's great. It's exciting. We're going to see some great soccer. But it's it's not the kind that gets – neutral's attention to, to flip on the TV at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Although, um, like I said, it'll be beautiful and it'll be very fun. But it's not the type of tournament that's going to, um, if you lose, it's not the end of the world. But it is also important because, again, we don't have a lot of opportunities to play in competitive tournaments that will improve this roster for the World Cup, um, especially with the Gold Cup coming up, and that's definitely going to be a um, more domestic-based, uh, trying-out players type of tournament. And so the fact that U.S. soccer is, again, you know, as soon as the last World Cup ends, didn't set this goal of, as I've talked about numerous times, um, you know, the goal should have been 2026, make a run at the World Cup, uh, you know, winning the World Cup. And while that's, you know, a, a crazy idea for where the U.S. is now, you can't undersell the advantage that hosting gives you. Um, and while it doesn't guarantee you win a World Cup, it certainly gives you an advantage that your players and your teams are traveling domestically. We've seen that time and time again in the World Cup is that if you have a talented team that, um, you know, can compete at the highest level, playing the World Cup at home gives you a definite advantage, not necessarily to win, but certainly to, to be in the mix. And so the U.S. Feder- Soccer Federation, which was bogged down by lawsuits by the women's team, you know, messes in the um, uh, the youth system, this Rain, uh, you know, Peralta issue. Um, it, it was just all over the place, distracted. You know, people going in and out, um, and didn't have an opportunity or the vision to sit there and say, "We need to focus on for the men, 2026." You know, this is our goal. 2026 is to try to win this World Cup, and not in the you know superficial 2010 way that we did before. Like, we actually try to win the World Cup with this roster. And so we are suffering from this idea of we have a competitive tournament. We're going to play against the best in this, uh, you know, in this federation, but we're not, the players may be improving themselves, but we don't know where we're going to get on the, on the sideline. And that's a very worrying thing because the person on the sideline can make a huge, huge difference in a world cup. Um, there's a great book out there about that exact thing that I've uh, written a review for, for world soccer talk. And it doesn't guarantee you having the best manager will win you a world cup. But it certainly helps if you've got a, a good, solid manager who knows the federation and knows the roster. It gives you a definite uh, head leg up on uh, your competition. And I agree, and that's the big worry right now. So we don't know who's going to take over. There's been rumors of Jesse Marsh. Um, apparently, Crocker has been scouring the world to see who's going to also take that position if it's not Jesse Marsh. Don't know. I have no insight. I know you don't have any insight, but, you know, this is the part that really scares me, Robert. We don't know what U.S. Yeah. soccer is truly doing. Yeah, and, and just real quick to point out, you know, the obvious, the the women's, uh, you know, World Cup team has a you – know, the women's side has a World Cup here, in, you know, next month. And, you know, Crocker is obviously, you know, it's important to hire a men's head coach, but it, there's going to be a focus on that as well. And not to say that the, the Federation can't multitask, but – World Cups are World Cups, and they take a lot of energy and focus. 
Um, and so while Crocker and everybody else in the Federation on the men's side is going to be looking for this head coach, you're still going to be distracted for a time. Um, and I don't mean distracted in a negative way. I mean in a very positive way um, by the Women's World Cup and the energy and time and effort that's going to that, whether that's marketing, planning, and so forth. And so um, you're you're losing energy and time because of that going on, that if you would have had someone in place, um, you would have been able to um, – you know, not worry about that, taking up time, energy, and personnel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Robert, thank you for joining me tonight. I always appreciate you coming on to talk about some footy. Uh, I know that I sent you something very interesting that I, the big Italian uh, football fan that you are, as well as Arsenal, I know that. I think uh, huh. I think you'll, you'll enjoy something like that, and maybe if you'll – uh, take the time to look at it. I don't know if you have yet, but there it is. I, I have I have already uh, dove into it, although my, my Italian heart is hurting today. Um, I, I know many of the listeners have heard about the Cagliari and the Claudio Ranieri story. Um, what, you know, what we always forget in soccer is the other side of it. And as a longtime Bari fan, seeing that goal in the 93rd minute um, – Broke my heart, so um, I guess I'm glad for Claudio Ranieri, but I, I wish he would have stayed in Serie B. So it, it's still it's a smart <laughs> little bit. It's soccer side of me. I know, I know, I know, I know. But still, though, look, it's, it's, as they as they always say, some days you eat the bear, and some days the bear eats you. But always dress for the hunt. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Have a good night, Robert. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Robert Hay, World Soccer Talk, and, of course, uh, he has his own tactical blog on Substack.com. Just re-listen to the show to get that information, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Finally, once again, uh, the CONCACAF Nations League will be seen live uh, both on CBS Sports Network and Paramount+. Plus. So all you can say is, is that it's going to be a fun one. It'll be interesting to see what the U.S. will do against Mexico. Uh, first match will be on CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern. And the second match with the U.S. and Panama, excuse me, U.S. and Mexico, 10 o'clock Eastern on Paramount Plus only. Um, it will be with Kate Abdo, probably also with Charlie Davies and... Uh, Clint Dempsey, probably also with maybe Nico Cantor, because no longer Gucci Onyeyu, he is now with U.S. Soccer, assisting the sporting director. He's the assistant sporting director with U.S. Soccer now. So they lose one man on that broadcast team. But that will be live from Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, the home of the NFL's Las Vegas Raiders. I want to thank my guest tonight. I want to thank Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog. I also want to thank Robert Hay of World Soccer Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Daniel Foyerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me for post-match between the United States and Mexico this upcoming late Thursday, early Friday morning at midnight Eastern, 9 o'clock Pacific. Once again, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and bye-bye for now.